You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, good morning. Uh, what is it, Wednesday? On this Wednesday, thanks for being here. Bill Ryder with you. My first time on the airwaves, or at least in this time slot, filled in last week for Jim Rome, but on the airwaves for the most part of the last week and a half, so, so belated, happy holidays, great to be back, great to see via Skype in New York City, Thomas DeCelestino. Uh, good morning, Tom. I wore for you, people gave me some funny looks today, my uh, Christmas pajamas for you that I got for Christmas. I love the pop you of do. color. I'm digging this. A lot of color. A lot of color going on. Good good, good holiday. Good to see you. I uh, had a great holiday. Hope you had the same happy hump day to you. Oh, yeah. Well, not. I mean, okay. Happy hump day, but also Monday, but also the week's almost over. So it was a lot, a lot going on. Uh, we will talk about the yearly tradition. We have we have three yearly traditions, or four, right, this time of year, depending on your faith and what you practice. There, there's Hanukkah for some of us. There's Christmas for, for some of us. There's New Year's for all of us. Um, I'm missing some in there. And, and there's what's Jim Harbaugh going to do for everybody. Uh, that's just right. We're right around that time of year. We'll hit that in about 20 or 30 minutes. We'll do NBA power rankings. Ty Dunn will be here on the program in just um, just about an hour to visit with us by ourselves. We'll, we'll hit some, some hoops, including Giannis. Uh, I did not have the chance yesterday. Obviously, wasn't here to, to visit with you. And thank you wherever you are for listening. Appreciate you about Demar Hamlin and just the—I don't even know what to say—the the the horror and the fear and the continued hope that he will be okay in light of that that Monday night football game. So so let's start here. I'm sure you know the story, but if you don't, uh, during Bills. Bengals, Hamlin, in what was a routine, he's a he's a safety for the Bills, and what was a, a routine play went down on the field. Uh, it, it certainly looked as if he might not make it in that moment. It was it was horrific to to watch. We know that he had a cardiac arrest. He obviously was resuscitated. We've been told by family members and spokespeople twice on the field. He is still in the hospital, and it's incrementally good news. But it's still some good news. As of last night, and as you'd imagine, these updates are not coming in in real time. His family and loved ones are dealing with this very traumatic situation, as we all were from a distance and watching it. And so the latest we know, um, I believe according to his uncle, is that he is still on a ventilator. Uh, But the good news being that he's improved to 50% oxygen, after needing a hundred percent, he remains sedated. He remains in critical condition, and, and we still don't know the exact reasons for what happened or what's going to to happen next. Up, and I'm, I know that Andrew Bogus did an amazing job filling in yesterday and and talking about this. And I know that all of you, wherever you're listening, have you, you've, if you've watched this story, if you've followed it, you've, you've, you've grappled with it. So I'll repeat what is true, but we're saying once and only once, football doesn't matter, right? It just it, it is a reminder that it's just a game. But in that context, the the Bills Bengals game will not be resumed this week, and it does sound like the other games in the NFL, including the, those teams playing, will happen when we get when we get to the weekend. And I'm sure my I'm not sure what to tell you about a perspective, but my reaction to what 
we saw and to what happened isn't new and it isn't novel, but it's it's I want to talk about it as we start the show. Just the just the reminder in the worst possible of ways how vulnerable and and human everybody is, including the people that are that are playing this sport. And I I know there's been some conversation and some talk about the violence of the NFL. And we don't know the degree to which, if at all, uh, the contact, which was routine, that preceded that that cardiac arrest contributed or didn't contribute. But it's it's hard to get away, I'm sure, I know it is, from the fact we're watching a bunch of very fast, very strong, very focused, very honed, very trained young dudes crash into each other. And I think the sudden jolt of reality that the violence quote in quotation marks that we can that we that we watch we cheer for that that's a part of the sport can turn horrific very very quickly and and all of that is is certainly is certainly true my takeaway i suppose was a little bit different um even if the sport of football contributed to this injury even if 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 the sport of football was was a part of this injury to, to me the reminder was just Man, it's heavy stuff, but just how mortal every you know every single one of us is. And you know, coming off the holidays, I don't know about you, but for me, spent time with my parents, spent a lot of time with my kids. I don't know what it is about having some time off, just thinking about my life, right? Just going sort of through how lucky I feel like I've been with my with my family, and you start to think about some of these big questions and these big notions of well, what does life mean, and and are you doing things the right way as a dad and as a as a father and as a as a husband and and are you are you living the life you want to live and something like this at least for me happens and it is just such a grueling and and grinding thunderbolt that as far as we know as far as I know you only get one of these go rounds on on this earth and normally for me sports that's what I love about them reflect all the things that it is to be. A human being, but it's in a conscious right. Like there's glory and there's heartbreak and there's there's success and there's failure and there's all these things that we can all relate to. But they tend to play out in our own lives, maybe in less dramatic fashion in a much slower timeline. Well, they're contained in two or three or four hours of a sporting event. It's very rare that the idea of what it is to be mortal and what it is to to fear for someone you love is front and center to to these sporting events that that we watch. Uh, I have added, and I, I'll share, you know, my prayers with Demar Hamlin and, and his family and his teammates. And I think that's the other thing is maybe it's less jarring for me. I, I don't know to watch football players in this case stand on the sidelines and, and cry and, and be humanized because what I do for a living, I'm around these guys a lot. I'm just around athletes on a fairly regular basis and haven't done a bunch of TV and been social with these folks, but it was, for lack of a better term, and I hope this isn't disrespectful, it's almost like when you're watching a movie and and the character turns to the fourth wall and talks to you and it's sort of of weird, only this is real life. And for for us to watch Hamlin go through what he was, what he went through, and, and, and for us to watch his friends and his teammates and the guys that know him and around him every single day take off that mask, right? That 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 mask of competitiveness and 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 just going about their business and in real time, not mourn, but worry and be concerned. It was um it was startling. There's also I think in that and and everything that followed a reminder. And I say this a lot. People roll their eyes at me, but I think most people in life are doing the 
best they can to be the best they can. I know there's some, you know, like everything, there's some there's some bad apples in every in every in every barrel. But the reaction, for the most part, right, ninety nine point nine 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 percent to what happened in that game on social media, friends and family texting me, people reaching out to say, "Hey, man, I love you." Right? Just, and I'm sure that happened in your life. The conversations you have, it's a reminder in watching one. By all accounts, wonderful human being. And we'll we'll talk to Ty Dunn about that. By the way, he wrote a piece on DeMar a year or so ago, a while back. That's less about the football player. I mean, that's why he wrote it, but more about the human being behind the football player. And as we all grappled with, for most of us, a stranger, but someone we're obviously rooting for. And for those people in the field, many of whom know him or friends with him, that emotion, I, I think there was an outpouring of genuine human empathy, genuine human decency. And that to me in this this dark and awful moment, and and it was and it was awful. It is awful, it remains awful. And and God willing he's gonna be okay. Whatever that looks like. And I hope that he is. My thoughts and prayers with him, like I know many of you have, have offered up. There was I thought a reminder that most of us are pretty decent people, right? Or trying to be as 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 best we can be, and there's a lot of ways that that is reflected. A lot of ways that I think that that played itself out. And here's one, and I know people have have already brought this up, but um, Hamlin has a has a nonprofit. It's a Pittsburgh area toy drive, right? It's a way um, for him in what was a a smaller way, maybe compared to the the big names of the National Football League, to give back. It wasn't a money generator. And all of these people like you and I, all of these human beings watching a fellow human being in real time on live television, I mean, think about how rare that is. In a live situation, struggle with their lives and thank God survive and everyone goes, that suddenly a football game happens and then humanity breaks out in a very dark and difficult but real way. And, And all of these people around the country, like we do with all the things that are hard, right, looking for a way to channel what we're feeling. And 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 I think a lot of times in life, and maybe it's why sports are such an escape. There's a sense of powerlessness sometimes, right? Um, those of you that are parents know you you learn this the hard way. You can't live your life for the people you love the most. You can do the best you can to kind of send them off, but they have to, you're powerless to live your life the lives for your kids, right? Or in your careers, or in your relationships, the, in the big things. There, there's a if you have a health scare. I had one. I'm fine, but I had one. I think I've talked about this in the air. Eight or nine months ago, got misdiagnosed. Misdiagnosed. Don't have it with cancer. So that was like a weird little three weeks where you just, you're like, wow, I'm super, I, I have no power over this. And in watching DeMar Hamlin struggle for his life and not knowing what was going on on Monday night, and then finding out that he had been resuscitated several times, that he was in critical condition, that he was not necessarily okay, the things we didn't know, people turned to a way to have in that sense of powerlessness, to do something and to show some love for, for most of us a stranger and to show some respect and to show some empathy and to just try to freaking do something. And as of, and this is as of a couple nights ago, by the way, it's not updated, 200,000 of you, 200,000 people have donated nearly $6 million uh, to this young man's charity. And, and so... And just talking about it and think, I mean, that is, you know, $6 million worth of uh, toys in a toy drive is a, is going to be a lot of love and, and, and a lot of help in, in that small way and for that Pittsburgh area charity where it's focused. 
it is such an outpouring, I think, of, of the fact that most of us are trying to be pretty decent people. And um, not I'm not silver lining this thing because, you know, if you're, if you're DeMar Hamlin's family, if you're his loved ones, if you're the people having to give these statements, if you're waiting to see what's going to happen, if you're saying that the good news, I mean, think about this, that a, a few days ago, uh, in shape, young, healthy NFL player who lived in his dream, and now the good news is that he's he's only 50% oxygen. He's at 50% oxygen, but he's still on the ventilator. I mean, that is he is obviously still in a, a very difficult spot. I'm not trying to silver lining this thing. I'm just saying it's a reminder that that I think most people, that there's a humanity and a decency there. And I think not everybody. I think most people are doing the best they can to be good people. And th- I think th- what we saw in that football, whatever our troubles, whatever our non-troubles, whatever's going on in our lives, it's a thunderbolt and a reminder how, how fragile and special and important our lives are and our relationships are and the things we take for granted. And um, that's it. I, I, my, my prayers and thoughts are, are with DeMar Hamlin um, and, and his poor family. We'll keep you updated, obviously, as, the, as news comes. It's not going to come quickly because... This is real life, and this young man is is in a is in a very difficult situation. But it is moderately good news. But we'll take what we can get. That according to his family, while still on a ventilator, he has improved to fifty percent oxygen uh, from that machine after needing a hundred percent. He is still sedated. He is still in critical condition, and we're all still uh, praying and rooting for 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 that young man. Eight five five two one two four CBS is the phone number if you want to call us. Uh, Twitter, you can hit us up. Sports writer, sports R E I T E R. I hope it's okay. Uh, we're going to talk about some other topics around the National Football League. We we will talk about Demar, the human being, from someone who knows him, who wrote about him, who can give us some perspective on the person we're talking about. That's what Ty done in about an hour. But before we do that, we'll hit some other things, including talking about Jim Harbaugh and, and what his future may hold, whether it's the NFL or something else, when we come back next year on, on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Right, welcome back into the show on this is it really hump day, Tom? Because for most people, Monday was a holiday. I know you worked. But Monday was the New Year's Day you got off because New Year's fun on a Sunday. I don't think it's hump day. Uh, Wednesday, no matter where it falls in your work week, is no, hump day. No. It's hump day. Well, Absolutely I don't think, I don't, hump day. You think on a four-day work week for America, Wednesday is hump day? Wednesday is hump day no matter no, what. No matter the what. The whole week's magic. And part of the magic, the pixie dust that it sprinkles on top of there, is no hump day. Not unnecessary. Hump day, it, there's hump moment. It's midnight on Wednesday into Thursday. That's hump moment. <laughs> that came out wrong. Eight five five two one two four cbs is the phone number. I, I thought of you, and then I, then I just went back about my vacation, but I thought of you during the, the college football playoff extravaganza. What a weekend. What a day. What a... What a couple games, by the way. Fantastic action. TCU. I should feel more ownership in the Big 12 because I was a part of the Big 12 but as a Mizzou guy, but then they went to the SEC. But we're, we're basically bottom of the, the ladder there. It is such a that, – that day was such an endorsement for a college football playoff. A reminder that teams that barely got in are capable of winning the whole thing. TCU lost its – in his conference championship game. And only got in because of some help. So you, look, man, it's a new year. I, I don't know if Andrew and you talked about your New Year's resolutions. 
I don't know if Andrew let you know that we were going to assign you some. Just saw, see how that worked out. Like, my New Year's resolution was to talk Andrew into us assigning you New Year's resolutions. Thought maybe that would – and, like, one of them is just you can admit you're wrong, man. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, me and Bogish did speak about our New Year's resolutions. Oh. At the moment, right now, before, you know, anything gets assigned to me, uh, okay. I have one and one only. Oh. And it was to be nice to Andrew Bogish. That's your New Year's resolution? For an entire year. That's like saying my New Year's resolution is to dunk a basketball. <laughs> I mean, like, it's choose something that you can do. It's January 4th. We work two shows together. We have been yeah. nice to each other. Hi, Andrew. I Andrew, can confirm can... that DCL is two for two on the be nice to bogish front. My New Year's resolution, my parents gave me um, Christmas pajamas. And I was like, I don't know. And then I, I tried them on. They're so comfortable. I've worn them to the grocery store. I clearly wore them to work today. My I was going to say, you're wearing them, wear them right them now, hopefully, right? Day. <laughs> every day. Won't, can't quit, won't quit. They're so comfy. Don't they look comfy? They look awesome. I love it. I'm I'm here yeah. for it. Matching matching pants. Yeah. Uh, they they double as sweat, so you can go out and just be like, what's up? Can I get some milk? Well, I, I'm not <laughs> sure you could go out. They look oh, great. They look great as pajamas. <laughs> I'm not sure it's uh, socially acceptable to go out to the store and buy some milk in. It's a red and green Christmassy flannel thing. What if I put, like, a patch on there? Like, what if I put, like, a Miami football patch on there? <laughs> come, come on. Come on. You've been back for 23 minutes, and you're I, already taking jabs at me. I didn't make a resolution to be nice to anybody. All right. So, I mean, I, you have to admit, Tom, or actually you don't have to, but I hope you will, that TCU's victory was a surprise. Yes, surprising. I mean, it was yes. the two seed versus the three seed. Y- yes or no? Was it a surprise that they beat Michigan? I mean, it was an upset. I don't know how shocking it was. I mean, an upset by definition, I think, is, is is a surprise. And that surprises are possible, that things are not set. And I think for me, it's a pretty clear reminder. We have all these conversations. We all, these preconceived notions. We, we Every single expert, myself included, you guys too, like, it, it's, it's going to be Georgia, which it is, but it was close, and it's going to be Michigan, which it's not. We think we know because we think the regular season gives us truth that it doesn't, which is what a college football playoff is for. Just embrace it. It's okay. It's like it's like look, I get it. It's like it's like Christmas pajamas. I was like, no, this is not. Uh, and then I, but then you tr- just try on the college football expansion. It might be really comfortable. You might become completely in. You might love it. I'd be surprised. Uh, no, I didn't get there. To, to use your same analogy, I would be exchanging my Christmas pajamas. I wouldn't even try them on. I'd bring them back to the store, get some store credit. I'm not, I didn't watch those two games and get there and say I'm all in for expansion. I enjoyed those two games for what they were. Really? They were incredibly entertaining. They weren't necessarily great football. They were so entertaining. You like all the defense? Uh, yeah, very high scoring. <laughs> yeah. um, not exactly great situational football. I didn't get there to where, like, give me expansion and give me it now. I, I, I didn't get there. Uh, Bogus, did you did you have a similar revelation to your new best friend? Did you just want to cut it back to two again after the college football playoff? No, no, no. We can still expand, but I thought Saturday was great. I thought It was great. It was great. It was, it was nothing, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Nothing not to like about it. It was super fun, um, and I enjoy the irony of it happening on the second to last time we're doing it this way. Also, I mean, it could have happened – in an expanded playoff, it just would have been a, a round closer, which I think might have even ratcheted up more excitement. Right? There might have already been some games to, to get there. I loved it. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is doing his yearly dance. Here's, or here's my thing on Harbaugh, and then you guys you guys give me your, your perspective. 
I understand the idea of the siren song of the NFL, an unfinished business for Harbaugh. I understand that he has, I think, outside of winning a national championship, accomplished everything you can. I mean, he doesn't win the national championship, but he has restored Michigan to that level of glory. He has made them one of the perennial teams, you know, Georgia, Alabama, was Clemson, whoever you want to name, that are in that conversation every year. He's done the job. There just there aren't, there aren't any good NFL jobs. Like let's just presume that the guy wants to go back to the National Football League. What is the? I mean, Denver's a disaster. The Colts are run by someone who, and I'm not sure of this, might be playing a joke on all of us just by running the team this way to, until we figure out he's just joking around. And I, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to coach the Panthers. I'm, am I missing like some? And you got to compete against Sean Payton. So like, there's no jobs for two guys that are pretty highly regarded. I'd, why do it? Why not wait, guys, until there's a better job and a better sure thing quarterback that you get to go out there and coach? I think the dude's got the itch. Eight years at Michigan, to your point, I think that eight-year tenure has not been a failure. I know he has not won a national title. I think he's gotten that program back to national prominence. I think he's done all he could do without winning a title. I think he has the NFL itch. And I, I'm with you. There's not a good job to be had, but I don't think it matters right now. Reportedly, he's already spoke to David Tepper, owner of the Panthers. That's not a good job. The Broncos, as you bad mentioned. Job. Yeah, it's a bad job. They're all bad jobs right They're now. all bad jobs. I think Harbaugh has the ego to where he says to himself, I can fix this. I don't know. Bogus. Good morning, Andrew. Well, good morning. Uh, I thought my good friend Tom said something really telling about six sentences back into that um, to that monologue is Harbaugh's monologue. done all that he's done at Michigan, all that he could at Michigan. Like mm. end of sentence, period. Drop it there. Like he's gotten the semifinal back to back years, beat Ohio State, beat the Big Ten, and won the Big Ten, and then they got smacked in the face in different ways in both semifinals, and. You know, there's no guarantee they can do any more than that. So why not now on a relative high go, I left this in the best possible place for you guys, and I'm going to go back to the NFL now. And I'll slightly disagree. The Panthers do not have a quarterback, and that should always be your prerequisite number one when you're Jim Harbaugh and you're taking a job back in the NFL. But they do have an owner that seems to have bottomless pockets and probably would give you all of the things you'd want to come back to the NFL. And then the hubris comes in where he goes, all right, so here's the good things. I can fix all the bad things that don't exist here. So if he's looking for a job right now, I think that's the best job to take. It's not a great, great job universally, but it's a good job right now. I don't know. I mean, look, the Panthers are, what are they? Are they 6-10 and right now? I mean, they're they're in the, are they six and 10? I think they are in the context of the mediocrity of the jobs that are open. It's the best job, but I'll slightly push back on my wonderful friend, Andrew Bogish. I I don't, I don't think that owner can give you everything you want in the long run, because if you don't have a quarterback and you lose life in the NFL is, is pretty miserable. And I think that's the lesson. It's not like there's a two, a tongue of Iloa that you, you say, Oh, your ego says I can fix this guy. Like we saw to a degree in, Miami, and I don't even know. You guys tell, is Jim Harbaugh an appealing enough presence that some big-time free agent quarterback is going to – are you going to go get Derek Carr? Are you going to win with Derek Carr and Jim Harbaugh? I'm not sure you are. That's exactly where my head went, Derek Carr. Derek Carr and Jim Harbaugh 
team up. I I think Harbaugh is appealing to a veteran quarterback like Carr. Now, do I have any idea if that'll happen? I have no clue. But I think he is. Andrew keeps drinking for your straw guy. I'm sorry. Andrew's got a Starbucks or a Dunkin', and he just keeps – It's a, you're real like the straw is very elegant. Yeah, your eyebrows go up. I got I'm an not ex- a big straw guy. I got an extra large – Straw for a medium cup, so it's throwing off the balance of it's huge straw to cup ratio. Yeah, apparently that size straw, matters to me. I don't know. It's the size of your arm. It's orange, and it's actually stealing all of the flare shine from my pajamas. Like that's on the screen. That's how grotesquely, uh, you know, um, popping that is. Should I be insulted by? You saying the straw is the size of my arm? Is that a remark about the lack of musculature that I currently nope. have? Oh, okay. I'm just saying that the straw is the size of a human arm. Gotcha. It, it's amazing you're able to utilize the straw. <laughs> I mean, it's it's that is a giant straw. Using bro. all my lung capacity to get the coffee <laughs> out of the cup through this mile long straw into my mouth. Is there something? Is there something special in there? Because you 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 have this look of pure joy every time you you start to drink it. Are, it's are just delicious, and they need a little pick me up. It's actually it's D and D. It's yeah, and it's too much milk. It's a lot. It's an iced latte because I'm fancy, and it's a lot of milk. So it's not as good as it could be, but it's still hitting the spot. Lice latte in 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 January <sighs> in New York City uh, because it's basically May here. It's gonna be sixty four degrees here today. 64 oh, degrees. It's colder here. It's, it's ice coffee weather. Look at, look at you. I don't know about Harbaugh, but I know that Andrew Bogus is not afraid of a giant straw, and I didn't know that before. This is beautiful. Harbaugh weight. That's what I'm telling the guy. Just because these things are cyclical and they, they balance themselves out. Doesn't it stand to reason that there's a bunch of bad jobs this year that a year from now there are going to be, for whatever reason, some really appealing jobs that are available. But don't teams fire their coach because they're in a bad situation? Like, you don't fire your coach off a good season. Yeah, but coaches can fail with, I think, better rosters, better situations, better draft. I mean, Urban Meyer took a a great job. He's just incompetent and a disaster and tr- subtracts from the sum of all NFL knowledge, it turns out. But I think that, that job was... Right, you you get a job where you know you have a top pick or a top two pick or the picker. I just think there are there there have to be better situations out there eventually. And, and again, like if Sean McVay shocks the world and retires, you know maybe that becomes a lot more interesting. Sort of depends on I think about Matt Stafford and, and what his future holds. But and Baker Mayfield's another guy, right? That's 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 going to be, I guess, presumably available. Now, I've been waiting God, to was. ask you this question ever since this story came out. Are you more interested in Harbaugh coming back to the NFL? If you are a, an NFL owner looking for a head coach, are you more interested in Harbaugh or Sean Payton? So I think Sean Payton potentially is 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 crazy overrated. That's my... I've never seen him be successful in a real way without Drew Brees. And I think Drew Brees is a a couple bad calls or bounces from being a top three or better quarterback of all time. I just I, that I think he does not get the credit he deserves. Am I right, guys? That Drew Brees never won an MVP. Does that sound correct? That sounds crazy, but I don't know that he did. I think yeah. I, I could be. I'm just pulling this out of the the gray matter, and I'm in a Christmas pajama, so I'm not in a real good decision making place, obviously, but. 
I just think Drew Brees is grossly underrated, including the fact that who knows to what de- – I mean, Sean Payton's a good coach, but but who knows to what degree he's some kind of super savior. I mean, he had one of the best quarterbacks, I think, underrated certainly quarterbacks of all time. So, I, I mean, Harbaugh burns – did he never win one? No MVPs. Crazy, right? Harbaugh burns bright and hot and fast, and he burns everybody out. I I think I would go Harbaugh over – I think I think there's a, a margin for error here. I think it's a really interesting question. I don't – it's not definitive – like when Urban Meyer got hired, we were definitive, or I was. That guy's going to be a disaster. I don't know the answer, but I would bet on Jim Harbaugh. Bogus, would you, with your giant straw and the wisdom it imparts? Yeah, and I just finished the drink, so I'm at full brain capacity right now. <laughs> I would probably go with Peyton because I'm spooked by the burning hot and fast and quick at a Harbaugh. Like, I just, yeah. I don't know how long the shtick plays. It makes more sense in college when you can be, when you're basically the czar of the whole thing. I, I don't I don't know how how long grown men across that locker room will put up with him being so intense. I mean, we can't pretend that he did, didn't have success in San Francisco. No, I know. And then the owner hated him so much that he went, you know what, I'm going to get rid of you because I can't deal with you anymore even though we just made three NFC title games and a Super Bowl. He also had a GM, if I remember right, where they also hated each other. And I think you'd have to set up, and there was a power struggle. And I think you'd have to set up a situation, this is really difficult, where Harbaugh has some sort of supervisory role over the GM or chooses his GM and he defers appropriately in the draft. That's a hard, that's the other tough balance because he's not going to work for a GM. Right. Even when he has, he's undermined. Yeah, and I, I want to say, I, I think Pete Carroll has that power in Seattle. I could be wrong. Other guys right. have had it or currently Andy, do. Andy Reid has it. Right. Like they, they have the final say on the 53 man roster, not the, yep. GM, and, not the GM. And as I understand it, because I haven't covered the NFL day to day in like eight, nine, 10 years, but so I'm sure it's still the same. You have to, with that power, have the ability to know that you can't be a control freak on every one of those guys and every guy. In the, right? You have to be able to. You have to be able to defer a little bit and delegate a little bit. I, I'm not sure if that's in Harbaugh's personality. Let me give you one uh, one from Twitter here, Bill at SportsWriter from Justin Tyler. Listening, if the Arizona Cardinals move away from Cliff Kingsbury, would that be an intriguing spot for Jim Harbaugh? So I was thinking when because Andrew made I thought great points and it, it's there's super legitimate concerns and it made me wonder if maybe Harbaugh is a better fit for a younger quarterback and Peyton is a better fit for a veteran quarterback. Although when it comes to reaching Kyler Murray, I don't know who you turn to. It's not like he's Mister Humble, Mister Easy to Reach. Man, that Arizona would be that's that's a great example. What an appealing job that is. It is once it comes open. Wouldn't you rather have Arizona than any other job that's open right now? I mean, yeah. Although, I, I, I don't know how to. I don't know how to read Kyler Murray. I don't. I just don't know how to process that. He's the best quarterback in theory that you know, of the conversation we've had. He's the, the that's the most established quarterback position. But what if there's no getting to him? What if it's just a different hurdle, a different right. problem over and over again? Possible. And it's just it's a never ending battle. I mean, I, like. We can't ever forget the fact that the Cardinals thought it was necessary to put a clause in his contract that he had to be a professional more than he was currently being, and then took it out because he felt all he felt all his feelings, all, you know, all the time. Yeah, I, and, and this is going back in time, so it doesn't do anyone any favors. But it, our conversation makes me realize 
that I think it's possible Doug Peterson got the best job that's going to be open in the NFL in a rolling two- or three- or four-year timeline. Because if you think Trevor Lawrence is salvageable, and it certainly looks like over the second half of the season he is, and you look at the roster, on, I mean, that was the... Can you imagine Harbaugh or, or Sean Payton if they're even 60% as good as their supporters think they are in, in that job? They're, so it's, it's that kind of... You're right, it's that kind of a job. Promising young quarterback who's not a knucklehead, as we're worried Kyler Murray may be. And I... Are there other? Are there other? Jo- I'm just trying to think of other jobs. Maybe the Chargers. Chargers a great job if eventually there's a change there. That won't happen. I don't think this year. But it, that job could be open in a year if you're Harbaugh and you wait for it. Man, I missed you guys. Did you guys get the pajamas. The these pajamas I sent you. So we can all match. I mean, D cell looks like he is in like a, the wearing the cousin of your pajamas right now. He yeah, he's like fancy ski guy. Yeah, cousin. they look. With the black undershirt, like so, it's you know it's popping in case he needs to go out to the mm-hmm. nice restaurant of the club. It's very just, Aspen. It's Never just been a Aspen. pullover sweater, three quarter zip, I believe it's called. Don't be, don't. Oh, it is three quarters dripped. I believe. Wait, <laughs> zipped. I said dripped. I believe it's called. <laughs> I'm you not. Believe, huh? Is that on the I'm on fashionista dot net? Is that? Is I'm that not cool enough to say dripped. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. A friend of friend. It's a quarter zip because a three quarter zip would mean it went down to your belly button. It would zip three quarters of the way down. It's just a quarter zip pullover. All right. Well, I'll try again next year. But you know what? You I'll could, like- if you wanted to make a three quarter zip and give some chest hair, apparently you could. Pl- it, it would work for you. So you make you that some- fashion statement, buddy. Go really? get it. You got some Magnum PI going on? Uh, no, 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 I don't. No, but you're, we know he's jacked. We've been asking for to take a shirt off for months sure, yeah. now. Right. You so lost just, that bet two years ago. Never three quarters halfway unzip that, baby. <laughs> three quarters zip. <laughs> That's <laughs> called a jacket. <laughs> Oh, I missed you guys. Uh, I guess I guess I gotta do. Should we do some NBA power rankings? D cell does that does that work for you? Yeah, let's do uh, three quarters worth. Ooh, three. We're gonna three quarters zip the NBA and put it all out there after we get a CBS Sports Radio update from Andrew Bogus. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. <laughs> Welcome back into the show. Did did you did you did you crack the code? Did you, did you solve the mystery over 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 break? No, nobody has told me. I don't. I'm starting to think it's not a real thing. Ask Stuart Kovacs. Got it. He would he's, know. He's a young, hip kid. Super okay. You lo- that's a, you, you, you throw that in for a little spice sometimes, don't you? Yeah, switch things up a bit. Just kind of uh, mix it up a little bit. Uh, Bill Ryder with you. That's Tom Celestino. And uh, we appreciate you listening here on the program. For the first time in a couple weeks, let's do NBA Power Rankings. Some will rise, others will fall. Let the ranking begin on Writer Than You's NBA Power Rankings. Number five. All right, let's go. It's tricky. It's tricky, Diesel. Yeah, there's one coming I'm going to hate so much. (laughs) You love it. I know it. I know it's coming. Let me start with the Denver Nuggets, who are the top team in a very crowded Western Conference. I've got mixed feelings here, but they're currently, it won't last long, atop along with Memphis, the West. They have a remarkable offense powered by Nikola Jokic, who's a stud. They have a terrible defense, and I don't think that they constitute any kind of real long-term challenge, even in a wide-open West because of that D. 
But, man, offensively, they are so good and so impressive. And they do have a guy, two-time MVP, who every night by himself literally can go out there and, and win you a basketball game. Number four. The Memphis Grizzlies are here at number four. Don't look so happy. I didn't um, say anything. I'm a Grizz guy. Offense is a little more abundant sometimes, but they have the best defense in the NBA, and they're getting healthy. Right, you know what? Whatever. Memphis, man. Let's just get to it. Go to number three. Number three. Brooklyn Nets are here. They I'm sorry. Brooklyn. I didn't, uh, I didn't, uh, I didn't yeah. catch that one. Brooklyn. I should all buy them. Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn Nets. You're a farce. You're a lie. But maybe you're not. Uh, that's my song. I mean, they just keep winning games. It's so, it is really annoying. Here's the thing. They were always going to be this good. They are a top 10 offense and defense. I think they're top three offense right now. This is who they were always supposed to be. And I'm just going to say it again. Don't buy it. I said, I think on the Jim Rome show last week, like, oh, yeah, the Pelicans are great. If Zion can stay healthy, couldn't stay healthy. I mean, I can go down the list of, I said this about the Lakers on this show six weeks ago. The Lakers are playing better, but who thinks AD is going to stay healthy? The odds that Kyrie and Durant stay healthy. The odds that Kyrie doesn't become a, a, a large or small problem. And the odds that Ben Simmons doesn't become Ben Simmons. But you know what? Whatever. Congratulations. You won a bunch of games. You're on the power rankings. What? Whatever, Brooklyn. Number two. I don't know like how much you like it. Uh, give, me, uh, give me the Milwaukee Bucks here. We'll hit Giannis. We'll hit Giannis in, uh, in about an hour if we have time. But... Had a huge 50-plus point outpouring last night. Talked about how he just wants to be anonymous, just wants people to take for granted his excellence. But the things that he is doing, they're, 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 they're tremendous. And this is a team that, unlike, for me, Brooklyn, has showcased their medal and what they can do over the long haul in a postseason up against difficult competition with the pressure. It's hard to pin the best player in the NBA because you, you blink and, Donovan Mitchell scoring 71 points. There's so much excellence right now in the NBA. But in that conversation, it's not Donovan Mitchell as much as he had a huge game. Giannis is at or near the top of every one of those conversations. And when you got a guy like that, what? stop laughing about Brooklyn. <laughs> I don't like how much you like it. Go to number one, you jerk. Number one. The Boston Celtics, who aren't the Brooklyn Nets either. Yeah. Um. Whatever, Boston, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> You've thrown me completely. You don't even like the Nets, man. No, I don't. Honestly, I don't. They're playing really well, though. They're impossible to ignore. They're playing so good. Uh, Boston has the best offense in the game. And unlike Denver, who has the second best offense, but Denver's terrible defensively, they had the 10th best defense. But that is a little bit of a, it's a little misleading because Boston just didn't get off to a good start defensively under Missoula when when he took over for Ime Odoka, they were, for the first five or six weeks, a, a bottom ten defense, and they've just been better every, or more consistently excellent every single week since then. So they're technically tenth, but they're probably more like a top five defense in terms of what they've been since they coalesced and figured out how they're playing under this coach. Honorable mention. So I'm gonna go with um I'm gonna go with the uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers here. I I love Cleveland. I, I've been on the Cleveland uh, bandwagon, and I think what I've said Diesel pretty consistently is I already like their young core. Already like what they're about. Already thought they were good enough to be really interesting. And Donovan Mitchell's a guy who can go out and win you a game on a, a couple games in a, in, a play, in a playoff series. And I know they needed overtime for his 71 points to to, to lead to the win, but that's just and that's not going to be consistent. But we've seen this. We've seen him score 50 in the playoffs. 
they are, when push comes to shove, a markedly dangerous team because they are deep, they play defense, they have a ton of weapons, but they've got that rare thing. They have a guy who is fearless and can win you a game or two in a series. I know we're not at postseason basketball yet, but Cleveland is the real deal. Here's your participation trophy. All right, I'm just going to throw this last one to the Philadelphia 76ers, who I can't entirely figure out. Maxie's coming back and is going to work off the bench. Embiid is such a machine. I mean, it's just, but they're coached by Doc Rivers. Let me ask you this, D-Cell. You had to make your life savings on a Doc Rivers team or the Brooklyn Nets to, to match or exceed expectations. It basically boils down to, am I going to bet it on Doc Rivers or Kyrie Irving? And when I boil it down like that, I gotta go Doc Rivers. I know it's it's terrible. It's the lesser of two evils, I feel like. I think it's interesting. For me, I think it's different. For me, it's do I think Embiid can overpower Doc's stench of awfulness, or do I think Durant can overpower Kyrie's stench of awfulness? And I'm probably gonna go Embiid because Ben Simmons is in there and he can go either direction. <laughs> Not exactly a ringing endorsement. Get some Brooklyn shots in there, even though I got them at three in the power rankings on the way out. Uh, our friend Ty Dunn wrote a really beautiful piece on DeMar Hamlin a long time ago about Hamlin the human being. And we're going to visit with Ty about about him, about who that young man is, and hit some other things from around, around the NFL when we come back in a moment here on, on CBS Sports Radio. 